0: This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Nothing is more delicious on a hot summer's day than a cool, refreshing ice cream... Sure, you can keep a few popsicles or a tub of vanilla in the fridge, but when you hear the familiar chimes of an ice cream truck, it brings an instant rush of childhood nostalgia. While ice cream trucks usually conjure wholesome memories of days gone by, many are not aware of the trade's nefarious underbelly. For most, the jingle is a sign of the deliciousness to come, but to others, the song might mean it's time to get inside and lock the doors. Maybe even grab a weapon. In the 1980s, gang activity on the streets of the Scottish city of Glasgow was fierce. Rival gangs fought each other for control of neighborhoods, where they ruled the streets selling drugs and stolen goods, but not in the way you might envision. You're probably thinking about shady deals going down in back alleys. Okay, those deals were probably happening too. But many illegal exchanges were going on in broad daylight out of the back of the ever-popular ice cream truck. Ice cream trucks had been a common sight on the streets of Glasgow for years. They often sold much more than ice cream, including household staples and basic food. As poverty in the city grew in the 1970s and the 80s, the projects became rougher and more dangerous. There were few stores in those areas. So, these ice cream trucks filled the void. Don't worry though, ice cream and sweet treats were still a staple. But a few unsavory entrepreneurs realized that ice cream trucks were great for selling more than just ice cream. They, in fact, provided the perfect innocuous cover to offload their illicit wares. These trucks were able to roam the streets in broad daylight. Thanks to the happy little jingle, people always knew where they were. And, as a business, Money exchanging hands didn't look terribly out of place. So gangs took their business mobile and started to stake out their roots, or rather, territories. These territories needed to be defended, and violence quickly escalated. Intimidation of rival ice cream trucks, either other gangs or honest operators, became the order of the day. It might sound comical to hear about two ice cream truck operators duking it out on the streets, but when that violence happened daily, and often involved rocks, knives, shotguns, and occasionally arson, the humor quickly disappears. It was believed that one of the most prominent ice cream truck gangs was led by a man named Thomas T.C. Campbell. He had grown up in the projects, the son of a criminal, and accustomed to a life of crime. He claimed he was stabbed when he was 15 years old, and that was only the first time. He spent time in jail in the early 1980s, and when released in 1983, decided to give the lucrative ice cream business a try. Apparently, he was making up to £350 a week selling sweet treats and some illegal stuff out of his truck window. His enterprise soon turned into a gang that threatened other ice cream vendors, scaring them off the streets. 18-year-old Andrew Doyle, nicknamed Fat Boy, drove a truck for the Marchetti brothers, who had been operating ice cream trucks for 20 years in Glasgow. Doyle was known to be hardworking and law-abiding, and was unwilling to sell drugs. He would only drive his boss's ice cream truck without the extra business, but he also didn't want to give up his boss's territory. Someone decided it was time for some intimidation tactics, and one February night in 1984— A shotgun was fired at Doyle through his windshield. Luckily, he wasn't hurt. But if Doyle was hoping his assailant would move on to intimidating someone else, he was sorely mistaken. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to True. Andrew Doyle lived with his parents and siblings in a three-bedroom top-floor apartment in Glasgow. At around 2 a.m. on April 16, 1984, a group of men climbed the stairs to the family's apartment. They doused the landing outside the apartment with gasoline and set it alight. The consequences were devastating. Nine people were asleep in the apartment that night, including the Doyles and three guests. Six of the residents died, including Andrew, his father, two brothers, sister, and eighteen month old nephew. Only three of the occupants escaped. This horrific crime was one of the worst in Scottish history and shocked the country. The public was outraged by the violence against innocent and hard working people by the territorial gangs and they demanded action. Glasgow police went to work hunting down the men responsible for what became known as the ice cream murders. Until now, authorities had been relatively lax toward the ice cream gangs. They were mocked by residents who called them the Special Chimes Unit, a play on special crimes. After an intense five-week investigation, With 1,500 people interviewed and 4,000 statements taken, they finally found a lead. Another ice cream truck criminal named William Love, who was in jail at the time, told investigators that three weeks before the murders, he had overheard T.C. Campbell and another criminal, Joe Steele, in a bar plotting to scare Andrew Doyle. Police claimed that in an interview with Campbell, he said he intended the fire to be a frightener. Six men were quickly arrested for the murder of the Doyle family. Four of them were given short sentences for assault and attempted murder. Campbell and Steele were given life sentences. Two men have been sentenced to life imprisonment for murdering a family of six in what became known as Glasgow's Ice Cream War. William Love was freed from jail not long after, given the convictions resulted directly from his evidence. This could have been the end of the story if not for Campbell and Steele's insistence they were innocent. Yet, the crime was so horrible people were happy to accept the outcome and move on. But a number of concerns regarding the investigation soon came to light. Campbell denied that he told police he wanted to frighten Doyle with the fire. In fact, he claimed he was at home when the fire was lit. So was Joe Steele He also insisted that police planted in his apartment a map of the housing project that marked the location of the Doyle's apartment with an X. Campbell insisted he was set up by the police, who made a deal with Love to testify against the accused men to get out of jail early. I'm bitter that six people are dead, and the long tails who committed the act are still scurrying in the gutters of your streets of shame. While Campbell and Steele were in prison, ownership of the ice-cream-truck crime world began to shift. Another crime boss, Thomas the Licensee McGraw, swooped in and took over their territory. Rumors began to circulate that the Licensee had framed Campbell and Steele to move in on their lucrative territory as he became one of the most feared criminals in Glasgow. For the next 20 years, T.C. Campbell and Joe Steele campaigned long and hard against their convictions. They appealed to the courts every chance they could. Campbell went on a series of high-profile hunger strikes, while Steele escaped prison an incredible three times. Rather than going into hiding, however, he protested his conviction with publicity stunts. The most famous was when he superglued his body to the gates of Buckingham Palace. Everything shifted in 1992 after witness William Love revealed that he'd been pressured by police into making a false statement and lying in court. Based on this new development, the convicted criminals were released on bail, but they would not enjoy the sweet taste of freedom for long. The convictions were ultimately upheld, and the men were returned to prison. The public was again furious about the case, but now they were siding with the convicted and the apparent miscarriage of justice. In 2001, the appeals court reviewed the case again, and things finally turned around for the men. In 2004, both men were released from jail. Good evening. 16 years behind bars for a murder they didn't commit. Thomas Campbell and Joseph Steele are free men tonight after their convictions for the murder of six members of the Doyle family were caught. In a statement to the media, Campbell's lawyer said, The term used to describe the case will be miscarriage of justice, but it was more than that. It was a malicious prosecution by police. At the heart of this case was allegations of police corruption, officers of the law who conspired for nearly 20 years to keep these men behind bars. A number of facts led to the overturning of the convictions. William Love recanting his witness testimony played a huge part. There was also inappropriate direction to the jury from the original judge. New evidence, however, came to light. An expert witness claimed that the police recollection of specific details was too exact. He said that four police officers all wrote down in their notebooks the same exact sentence during an interview with T.C. Campbell. In their notes, Campbell apparently said, I only wanted the van windows shut up. The fire at Fat Boys was only meant to be a frightener, which went too far. The expert said that it's very unlikely that four police officers would write down the exact same words, and that it further supported the hypothesis that police were pushing for Campbell and Steele's conviction. The question of who did commit the ice cream murders remains unanswered. T.C. Campbell passed away in 2019, and two lead detectives in the case have also died. Joe Steele insisted he was never involved in the ice cream crimes and was innocent of the Doyle murders. However, he claims he knows who did them, although he'll be taking that information with him to the grave. As for the once-ubiquitous ice cream trucks on the streets of Glasgow, well, their numbers are declining across the UK. Not due to a crackdown on crime, but thanks to an increase in ice cream parlors, kids playing outside less, and healthier eating. Even on the most overcast of summer days, for almost 30 years, Pinky's distinctive pale pink truck, nicknamed the Pink Panther, has been making its rounds in suburban North Dublin. You could say that Pinky, real name Mark Jenkinson, was born into the business. During the 1960s, his father ran a slew of different businesses, from one of the first video stores in Ireland, to a dry cleaners, to hardware stores, and even textiles. Ultimately, however, the ice cream truck business was the one that stuck, and Pinky inherited not only his father's business, but his love for ice cream. But the ice cream truck life isn't all sprinkles, wafers, and rivers of fudge. Dublin's ice cream truck business is fiercely competitive for territory. Years ago, operators established a gentleman's agreement and divided up the city. It's totally unregulated. Pinky has faced threats, intimidation, and sustained harassment over the years from other operators who he feels are encroaching on his turf. In a moment of tension, Pinky was challenged to a fist fight by a rival operator. Thanks to his love of boxing, he had no problem defending himself. The rival responded by trying to intimidate him, arranging for trucks to park outside his house at night or follow him home. The intimidation escalated, Pinky has had his cars burnt out, he's been followed, and he's received threats of having his throat cut. The worst yet was when a rival ice cream truck driver chased him down the street and smashed the windows in his truck one by one with a baseball bat. Pinky has been quick to point out that he's not quite sure why all this is going on. There's not a lot of money to be made in ice cream sales, and the rival operator had six trucks and a much larger territory. Unlike the situation in Glasgow, this war was truly happening over ice cream. Pinky made it clear that he would be standing his ground and would not be muscled out of working in his community. An Irish hurling stick bearing Pinky's name sits on the dashboard of the Pink Panther. Customers are left to work out for themselves whether this reflects his love for the national sport or whether it's a silent deterrent to potential disruptors. For now at least, an unofficial truce seems to have taken hold. You could say that the Dublin sweet treat conflict is on ice. Ice cream, still the top favorite. Try some and thrill to the ice cream taste. Yep, it's Real good. In the 1950s, William and James Conway worked for the Sweden Freezer Company, one of the biggest ice cream machine manufacturers in the country. The idea of selling ice cream from a truck had been around for over a hundred years, but enterprising people started purchasing the company's ice cream machines and installing them in trucks. The issue was that the trucks were not the right environment for these machines, so they often broke down and dreams melted away before they could be realized. Sweden Freezer wasn't interested in starting up a new division to support this new industry, so the Conway brothers decided to start their own business. What they quickly realized, however, was that there was more money to be made in franchising the ice cream business, not selling trucks. And with that, Mr. Softy was born. Here comes Mr. Softie, the soft ice cream man. The creamy ice cream and soft ice cream, cream, cream you get from Mr. Softie. For refreshing delights to please. look for Mr. Softie. My milkshake band. The company expanded across the United States as the popularity of the franchise grew. Mr. Softy's signature jingle and themed mascot, Conehead, were very distinctive. Soon, it was the number one ice cream truck business in the country. By the late 1960s, Mr. Softy boasted around 1,000 trucks in 15 states. New York has always loved its food trucks, and ice cream trucks are no exception. Mr. Softy trucks have been seen on the streets of Manhattan since the company was founded. Competition often played fair, but sometimes things got a little frosty In 1969, for example, a Mr. Softy driver was kidnapped by rivals who blew up his truck. And in 2004, a franchise couple were attacked and beaten with a wrench, leaving them critically injured. In 2010, two rival ice cream vendors were recorded in a fist fight. In 2012, a frozen yogurt vendor said a Mr. Softie driver cut his brakes. However, it was in 2013 that the battle for Manhattan really started to heat up. One Mr. Softy franchise owner, Demetrios Zerkos, became increasingly disgruntled over the fees he had to pay to Mr. Softy. He felt that his profits were suffering and decided to fight back. He took his trucks and created his own company, unimaginatively called Master Softy. Zerkos owned 12 trucks at the time, which focused on Midtown Manhattan. He didn't put in much effort to differentiate his new company. He made a couple of tweaks to the logo, but generally used Mr. Softy's color scheme and typography. He didn't even bother changing up Mr. Softy's jingle. The Conway brothers did not stand for it. They took Zerkos to court for trademark infringement, and easily won. Master Softie quickly disappeared from the streets of New York. Mr. Softie 1, Master Softie 0. In 2015, his trucks returned to the streets of Midtown, this time branded as New York Ice Cream. Zerkos, however, continued to use the instantly recognizable jingle. Mr. Softy again took legal action for trademark infringement. While the lawsuit was underway, New York ice cream stepped things up on the streets. Ice cream season is barely underway and already it's open season on Mr. Softy. According to reports, the intimidation sometimes got physical. New York ice cream trucks started boxing in Mr. Softy trucks who dared showed up in Midtown and harassed franchisees by banging on their truck windows. Tonight it is a rocky road for two people who face serious charges after a dispute between ice cream truck vendors. I scream and you scream for ice cream, but vendors aren't supposed to scream at each other. But now two ice cream truck drivers are charged with harassment and stalking for doing just that. Under the city's permit guidelines, food trucks were allowed to set up shop anywhere they liked across the five boroughs. Zerkos and his fleet claimed the area between 34th and 60th Street, from the Hudson to the East River. This area has high tourism, so it tends to be very lucrative. However, many of Mr. Softy's operators were too scared to be lured by profits. Some became so concerned for their safety, they started carrying baseball bats in their trucks. In the summer of 2016, the court found Zerkos guilty a second time of trademark infringement. Not only was he ordered to pay Mr. Softy just over $750,000, his trucks were also banned from the streets of Manhattan for a few months anyway. At the end of 2016, New York ice cream returned to Midtown with a vengeance. Mr. Softy drivers and executives have said the upstarts have used physical intimidation to force them out of Midtown. The driver of this truck in Midtown would not comment. As peak ice cream season in 2017 kicked off, Mr. Softy engaged a private investigations firm to ensure that New York Ice Cream did not attempt to use Mr. Softy's logo or jingle. New York Ice Cream soon caught on that they were being tailed. In an interview, the head of the private investigations firm said that following ice cream trucks is not as fun as it sounds. He described the situation as a Mafia turf war and said that New York ice cream workers came at his investigators with cameras and metal pipes. Battling rival truck operators was only a portion of New York ice cream's issues. Two years later, in 2019, the company was heavily associated with a citywide crackdown on ice cream trucks, called Operation Meltdown. New York cops today, scooping up Ice cream trucks, dozens of them, towed away and taken into custody. Investigators say these ice cream vendors cruise the streets of the city running red lights and racking up thousands of parking violations. 46 trucks, most of which were linked with New York ice cream, were impounded due to a whopping $4.5 million in unpaid parking tickets and traffic violations. According to the city, Operators avoided their fines by constantly re-registering their trucks under Shell Corporations. Among those named in the city's complaint is New York ice cream founder Dimitrios Circos. The sheriff says the investigation is not over, and this civil case could lead to criminal charges. Today, Mr. Softy retains the lion's share of ice cream truck permits in the Big Apple. You could say it's the cherry on top for the signature ice cream institution, which shows no signs of going soft on its competitors. Hi there. As always, a huge thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode.